Hi, I'm Brad Parker, the attorney you want but hope you never need. And this is another edition of Bar Talk, the musings of attorneys, entrepreneurs, and other interesting people. A podcast by people who don't have to be famous, they just have to be interesting. Each episode will tackle topics big and small, and sometimes tiny, faced by attorneys, entrepreneurs, and other fascinating people who know every day you wake up, it's a good day, but it takes a little more to make it a great one. Well, today I've got the pleasure of having a good, good friend of mine, Greg Lehrman. Uh, Greg and I have known each other for about 30 plus years, as well as his wife, Deborah Lehrman, who happens to be a Texas Supreme Court Justice. Uh, Deborah and I practice law together. Greg and I practice uh, listening to live music and uh, hanging out and having a good time together. And uh, we've had a a great relationship over the years. I'm so pleased that he's here. We're going to talk about uh, some interesting stuff, but uh, also about 1031 exchanges and what they are, what they uh, can do for you and save you a bunch of money. Greg, I really appreciate you being here today. You bet. My pleasure. Well, uh, it's kind of a crazy time we're living in, uh, the, the pandemic and uh, everything going on. Uh, I know, uh, just kind of knock this out of the way, beginning, uh, how, how are you and, and your wife doing? We are doing great. We had COVID a couple of months ago, and now we're glad we did because all the doctors and immunologists say that we're like in the top 2% of people that have uh, antibodies. So... I think everybody knows that nobody really knows how long the immunity lasts, but we've our doctors are pretty confident we've we've got some pretty good immunity for quite a while. That's that's great. How how bad was it when you got sick? I just was. Uh, there were many days out of about twelve days that I really had a hard time getting out of bed. On Mother's Day, I started just freezing. I have got chills. I just started shaking, freezing. And the next day, my fever started going up by the minute. So uh, we called the doctors, and we went right in. And then they called and said, yeah, you're positive, but just stay home, drink liquids. There's not really a lot to do unless your oxygen gets below 90. So we just monitored it and just drank a lot of fluids and tried to get through it. It was worse for Deborah. She had it more like three weeks. I had it two weeks. And when I recovered, I, I recovered. When she basically recovered she still had a minor breathing problem for about three more weeks every once in a while her head would just kind of kick back just sucking in air so it was quite a deal i'm sure that was extremely scary there uh for for a while are you having any kind of lingering effects or is it pretty much all resolved it's all resolved good even though they say once you have a virus it's always there somewhere so um but we feel good it's kind of like chicken box it's always with you huh? yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. well you know uh i I was laughing uh getting ready for today Uh, i was really looking forward to it and i started thinking about you know how did we first meet do you remember that i do Uh, i would see if you do you remember where we first met I just no. I just remember being brand new lawyers. You were at Lost Snaker, and I was Shannon Gracie. Yeah. And of course, you you were next next office to Deborah. Yeah. Well, we we met before she even came over there because we were over at the keg. You remember the old keg over there on uh, was that Commerce Street or is yeah. That, uh, anyway, it was a young lawyers uh, happy hour or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And we met and uh, immediately hit it off. 
I think it's because of our love for uh, Joe Ely. Or, that's or right. Yeah, that's funny because I was thinking something like Billy Miners or something. So I was on yeah. the same same page. Same path. And uh, we've uh, yeah. Well, and, uh, tell tell everybody a, a little bit about your your path and how what brought you to do in ten thirty one exchanges. Yeah. So when you were at Lost Nakers in the early eighties, uh, I was at Shannon Gracie, and then in eighty seven, I got a chance to go into business that's what i decided i wanted to do i went in the title business and then i became president of stewart title fort worth and i was at a function in arlington one time in the, about 1990 and a couple of realtors said greg why don't y'all do 1031s they're unbelievable we have investors that sell real estate all day long they don't pay taxes on their sales and i thought okay I've got an accounting degree and a law degree from UT. Why do I not know what the heck a 1031 is? <laughs> um, so th- it was so valuable that I had that conversation because it totally told me to keep my eyes open for the chance to do that. Now, I was busy. I had a full-time job. I couldn't really do much about it. It just told me to pay attention. So in 93, when I was in, in Houston at a worldwide Stewart title meeting of just of local of presidents of all over the world, Stewart offices, they announced they bought one of the biggest 1031 companies in the country. And the guy that founded it got up and explained it. And I was the main one in that room of about 250 presidents who hit the ceiling with excitement. I thought, oh, my gosh. That's what a 1031 is. Now I get it, and I know it's great, so I'm going to start doing that. So within a year, by uh, October of 94, 26 years ago, uh, I shifted from running a bunch of closing offices to doing 1031s. Haven't looked back. Love the heck out of it. I do that one thing, and I still enjoy every time I get up in front of a group of people and explain it because they get excited. It's almost like – Someone asked, asked Keith, Keith Richards, how the heck can you enjoy playing, um, you know, uh, Jumping Jack Flash after all these years? And he said, are you kidding? How can I not to get up on stage and do that? It's a blast. So I still enjoy doing 1031s, even though I've explained the same thing to people probably 30,000 times. It's just a blast. Well, you probably need to explain it for all the listeners here. I mean, uh, first of all, who who should be interested in this? Almost everybody, which is one of the many surprises about 1031s, because all of us, anybody that hears about 1031s before they know about it has about the same misconceptions. So even when I first heard about it and knew it was a great deal, I figured it was just for the top 1%, for big old commercial property owners or something like that. It turns out anybody that ever owns any real estate that's not just their primary residence on say a quarter acre lot or anybody that ever knows anybody like that you rel- anybody if you know any real estate agents uh your grandparents own a farm if you ever know anybody that owns a farm a rent house all kinds of other things uh they need to know about this because, um, well, back in 1921, this has actually been around almost 100 years. And what happened was it's such a simple concept. It sounds complicated. It's about as simple as it can get in common sense. In 1921, farmers went to Congress and said, look, if we've been farming some crops or running some cattle for several years and we've built up equity in our farm or ranch, and we want to sell that and buy a bigger ranch. Well, if we sell one ranch and buy another ranch, we're moving all of our money into another piece of dirt. We can't pay taxes with dirt. If y'all are going to tax us when we sell a ranch because it's gone up in value and we buy another ranch, we can't do that. 
And Congress said, that makes sense. Uh, we want to allow people to improve their situation for their life, their family. And so they said, if you're moving all of your money from one or more pieces of investment or business real estate to other business or investment real estate, we're not going to tax you as long as you keep doing it. So that's why it's called tax deferred. Um, and you can defer it as long as you want to um, invest in real estate. So it's anybody that has a residential rent house on up to a farm or a ranch or commercial property. You can sell it your whole life and never pay tax. And then if you do that your whole life, we call that you swap till you drop. <laughs> <laughs> so let me be sure I got this clear. Yeah. I, I, let, for, for instance, I own my own building where I, where I office. I get ready to uh, 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 do something different, slow it down, decide I want to buy a few rent houses uh, and, and kind of get some extra income that way as, as opposed to trying to lease out the office to mm. someone else. Yeah. I could sell this office, and then I don't have to pay taxes on the gain that I've seen because I've owned it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I could go and invest that money into two, three, four, whatever, rent houses, mm-hmm. and never pay a, a dime in tax, and then be able to collect the rent off the rent houses. Absolutely, yeah. And wow. if, if you do that your whole life, then when you pass away, if those properties are in your estate— your heirs get a step up in basis, yeah. and it goes. The capital gains goes away. Yeah, it completely goes away. So you can use it, yeah, to retire from a business without paying taxes on the real estate part. It's only on real estate, but that is very broad. Um, there's really only three words that people need to know, and uh, one of them is like kind. And so, and this is a reason why a lot of people misunderstand this is the very fact that you have to use the word like kind because that's totally misleading it's a lot better than that sounds so what congress the tax code says you don't have to pay taxes if you exchange like kind property but that definition that they have given over the years has been very taxpayer friendly so you could sell this office building where you are not only can you buy rent houses you could buy a strip center you can buy a ranch you can even buy a place in Aspen, anywhere you want a vacation, if you do it right. And uh, that's sort of the one of the examples of things we cover when you call me on case by case. But like a vacation home, you just have to not go there more than 14 days a year, the first two years for vacation. you got to rent it out 14 days or more. And after uh, two years, uh, you're home free. So like kind means, are you selling a real property interest that's in the U.S.? that you're either holding for use in a business or for investment. And, and if the answer to that is yes, what you get to buy has nothing to do with what you sold, the way I look at it, because you get to buy any real property interest in the U.S. that's um, business or investment. About 20 years ago, I was in Durant, Oklahoma, and there is a self-made multimillionaire. Uh, he just started investing in real estate out of high school, never got any book learning, but he self-taught, and he knows 1031s. And I was giving a class to a bunch of realtors, and after about an hour, he could say he could see they were all trying to make this hard, and he just got up and said, people, like kindness means if you like that kind, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely. bet you've used that a couple of times. I, a few thousand. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, I guess what people really probably need to know, too, is we were talking before we got on, uh, 
there's some rules that you have to follow. Absolutely. You just can't go do this by yourself. You've got to follow some rules. Can you just in a, a you know, overview of what don't get into the weeds too much, but kind of what are the rules? Yeah. So from 1921 till 1991, exchanges actually were as hard as they sound to most people. Uh, exchange actually meant, well, you had to find another person to swap with. Well, that's pretty dead gum hard. So finally, the people went to Congress and said, okay, that's too hard. Make it even easier. They said, okay, we'll make it easier. We're going to let you just sell your property to whoever wants it. And as long as you have a third party hold the funds, you can just go buy what you want and just close on it within 180 days after you close on your sale. But also, you do have to put together a list of properties you're considering by the 45th day. So all you got to do is call a third party like us. Um, make sure you have exchange documents at the closing, and um, then when you, but you sell it to whoever wants it. And so you're not working out an exchange with anybody anymore. So not only does like kind not mean like kind, exchange doesn't mean exchange. It's just a word that has to be in the documents that we have to provide you. And uh, one of the few biggest mistakes you can make with 1031s is uh, closing your sale and then deciding you want to do a 1031. So these are these can be very easy. People are almost always shocked how easy and smooth they are. But that's as long as you call us before it closes, before the sale closes. So I'd say once every two weeks, I get calls I hate to get where somebody calls me and they want to do a 1031. They'll say, well, I sold the property. Well, People use the word sold differently. When some people say they sold it, they mean it's under contract. It hadn't closed. So that's great. I can help them. I can help them if they call me the day before closing. But some people, when they say sold, they mean closed. And I got to tell them, you're out of luck. You you had to have documents at the closing. And if you just called me a day before, I could add documents there. We'd be holding your funds. You find something within 45 days, close within 180, and you don't pay the tax. Well, it sounds to me like that if, you, if you're serious about doing this, obviously you've got to get the third party involved like you, but you probably want to start looking at different things ahead of time before you even list your property probably and get your big list of different. I mean, are you limited in the number of things you can put on that list? Yeah, and first of all, in the timing, like I say, when I first heard about this, I got excited. And then when the guy who – built this company explained it to us and he said okay from the day to closing you got 45 days to identify it then i got deflated <laughs> I right. said, oh man that's hard that's, that's hard. quick that's real quick yeah then i found out how many are done we do 800 of these a month we've done 200,000 of these in my company so that told me okay people do figure that out and that's how they figured out, just like you said, Brad. Uh, you don't wait till closing to start looking for what you want to buy. You can even tie up something contingent on your sale. Any way that you can tie up a property with an option or something is better than is what, wait until then. And even if even if nobody will let you tie their property up, at least be familiar with what's on the market. And then the second you close your sale, now you know you're a cash buyer. We've got your cash. We're just like your bank. You just have, just with special documents, and then um, you pull the trigger quickly. There's three different rules, so that does start to get into the weeds. I'll just talk yeah. about the most common one is the three-property rule. Most people who've known heard a little bit about 1031s are familiar with the three-property rule. That's the main one. So if you pick that rule, you can list up to three properties. 
And then by day 180, you close on one, two, or all three of those. You never have to close on everything you list. You just, you got to close within that list. And you can switch out your properties during the first 45 days. After that, absolutely not. So there's a few things with 1031s that are black and white. Some are nuanced. That's what keeps it interesting. Um, One of them that's very black and white is you do not swap out your properties after the first 45 days a couple of people have been tempted they'll find a property and they've backdated their letter the ones that have gotten caught fraud they've had to go back and pay a hundred percent of their tax and the fraud penalty on top of that is another 75 percent one wow one person that got caught lying about that they had to go back and pay their $2.1 million tax, and then their penalty was $1.6 million on top of that. Wow. So that's one of the things that we we keep people up to. We calculate their deadlines. We don't just tell them you got 45 days. We tell them you got till November 18th, and we call them and we email the heck right. out of them. And then uh, you do have to close by day 180. So. Yeah, which is six months. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's not the problem. I guess it's the list. It's the, the challenge issue. is the list. Yeah, yeah. And so you, it sounds to me like if you're really prudent, you'd get with you and and maybe identify some properties before you even close on your deal. Absolutely. So you've got a little bit more breathing room on that forty-five days. Absolutely. There's another solution to that that brings in a whole lot of benefits. The market has kind of responded to this challenge and provided people with solutions. And that is, there's two types of property that qualify that you can find at the last minute that are volume, that are like off the shelf. So you can buy oil and gas royalties. That's something almost no nobody, even no CPAs know. When you sell this office building, Brad, and you don't want to do anything at all, you literally can put this money into oil and gas royalties and get cash flow and not do anything and not be liable, obviously, for expenses. Right. There are landowners that get impatient, and they just want to cash out. So they've already leased out their property. Their property is producing. They're getting monthly checks. They want their money now, just like those commercials those uh, for the structured settlements. Right. Yeah, it's my money. I want it now. There's a lot of people that get monthly checks, and they sell to people that, that I know who know how to buy them right. And then they sell them to people like you that want to just – get out of high maintenance and just want cash flow. So it's easy to identify at the last second. And also you can put exactly how much you have, like with a building, as you know, you negotiate a price and then that's a certain price with oil and gas royalties, exactly how much you have, you just put that in it. Or you may find a rent house or a farm and just have some money left over. You can put as little as 50 grand into these deals. So the oil and gas is one of them. And there's another thing called a Delaware statutory trust. It's a fractional interest in a building. The Academy Sports and Outdoors, the corporate headquarters is in Katy, Texas. And um, that building is owned by hundreds of 1031 investors who sold high maintenance real estate and they buy a one half of one percent of that academy sports and outdoors corporate headquarters and they get their share of the rent every month i'll be done yeah and then the final one there's really three three options if you want to buy something at the last minute 
So it's oil and gas and these fractional interests. The third is a triple net lease property, net of taxes, maintenance, and insurance. Every Walgreens and CVS you drive by and the Dollar General, it just goes on and on. Quick Lubes, Quick Card, all those um those are owned by older 1031 investors who never have even seen the building. Walgreens and CVS, they don't own their building. They don't want their capital tied up in the building. And um, they get good deals on paying rent because their parent corporation guarantees the rent, but they have to take care of it. And then they just wire the rent to the owner anywhere in the world that the owner is. So that qualifies too. If you wanted to sell this building, for five million bucks, that's about how much a Walgreens or CVS costs. I'd sell it in a heartbeat for five million. <laughs> there you go. But well, there's different prices of triple debt lease properties. Uh, the Jack in the Box, real close to where we are now at Northeast Mall. I had a client that did that. That was about nine hundred thousand. So you can buy all levels of a triple net lease. So that's the thing. Not only can you use this to leverage up to buy bigger property, younger people use this to buy more property. If you're not paying taxes, you're buying more property. I know my, somebody's got a duplex around here, and um, their taxes would be 50 grand. So they can either give that 50 grand to the government now, or they can use that 50 grand to buy more real estate. So, whatever, how much real estate they were going to buy, 50 grand. Let's say that's uh, they're putting twenty five percent down in the next property. That fifty grand that's deferred adds two hundred grand to their buying power just on one little residential deal. Yeah. So younger yeah. people use this to leverage up and buy more real estate or bigger farms, and then older people they use it to get out of that without paying taxes and convert it to passive cash flow. Well, and like you said, you pass it on uh, uh, to your state. Your heirs get a stepped up basis, so you. You avoid, everybody's avoiding that tax. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got an 86-year-old rancher outside of Austin. Um, you know, you don't make that much money. He's a farmer, actually. You don't make that much money, you know, farming per acre. Um, but he's lucky enough that he bought his farm 50 years ago in Leander, which now is where the development Booming. of Austin. <laughs> Booming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's 86 years old. Somebody offered him $5 million for his dirt. He ain't making $5 million worth of income. Plus, he's got five heirs. And he said, you know, some of them are pretty good and some of them are no good. (laughs) So this is what a 1031 does for him. He gets to sell that farm. He's putting it into oil and gas and fractional interests. That allows him to stop working, increase his monthly income by tons and Guess what? In his will, he leaves 20% to each of his five heirs. His heirs don't have to like each other. They don't have to decide when to sell this single family farm. They each have their own percentage of what he bought in the oil and gas or the fractional interest. It's just unbelievable. That's fascinating. That yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Do you find that uh, uh, most real estate agents are, are familiar with this concept, or is it always an education process? Always. Um, you know, if, if you talk to a business consultant who learns about my business, he goes, well, your competition is not your competitors. It's a lack of awareness. That By far, yeah. my competition is people not even knowing 
that they need to be doing this. Yeah. So that is still in this business, even after 99 years in this business, the biggest deal is, no, a, a small percentage of people who could benefit hugely from this, including their representatives, like realtors and lawyers and CPAs, a small percentage to this day um, knows about it. So when I give a class and there's someone, sometimes I give a class and there's a realtor there, it's their first day in the in the business. I tell them, man, this is brilliant. You're here. And after today, you're going to be able to do this. So see, people just a realtor just needs to hear me for 30 minutes and they can do this the rest of their, their life because they got to call me anyway they just need to know to bring it up but that realtor's first day in the business when i'm done with them they're going to be ahead of most realtors who've been in the business 40 years yeah well it, it, which i would think would help that realtor in their own business because they're educating people who are going to come back to them because if you do one 1031, you're probably going to do another 1031 down the line. I've met with people that they said they've used the same realtor for 10 transactions for 15 years. And the reason they did is that realtor brought up a 1031. I had one guy, he said, and Greg, you know, I didn't even do a 1031 on that. But the fact that she brought it up showed me she knew something and she was looking out for me. And um, she's gotten every one of my sales since then. Yeah. Even and a lot of them hadn't even been 1031s. It's yeah. a, it's a client for life and all they got to do is bring it up. Yeah. 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 Knowledge is power. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, uh, how, how do you get paid on the transaction? What's yeah. The cost for people? And that gets me to the third critical rule. So all you need to know is like kind in exchange and qualified intermediary. And the first two words, they're so much better than they sound that when realtors learn what those two words means, it opens up a lot of opportunity for their clients. Since like kind doesn't mean you got to buy the same thing and exchange doesn't mean you got to find somebody to swap with. The third word that's just as important, but not, but is not, is is a scary word. (laughs) Uh, You got to learn this word to protect yourself. If you don't learn what the third word means, you can lose everything you're about to gain. And that word is qualified intermediary. So there's good news, bad news about what Congress did in 91. The good news, like I said, is how much easier they made this to where they said, we're not even going to make you ask your buyer to do a swap with you. Just sell to whoever wants it and have a third party hold your funds. So that was hugely good. Here's what was hugely bad, except for you can take care of it. So... It doesn't matter for people who, who are educated, and it takes five minutes to get educated on this. That third, that third party that they mentioned in the code, they called them a qualified intermediary. Well, what's bad about that? What's bad about that is there's nothing qualified about a qualified intermediary. See, none of these words mean what they say. <laughs> Don't you love the law? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. The actual definition of a qualified intermediary is it includes everyone in the universe who's not disqualified. Everybody who's not disqualified is a qualified intermediary. They do not disqualify Bertie Madoff. They don't, they don't disqualify people that are in prison right now for embezzling. None of, nobody, none of those people are disqualified. They only disqualify the person's relatives or agents like their realtor or their lawyer their cpa it only means if you're not going to pay taxes your money has to be held by someone independent 
It only means independent like a title company. We are very much like a title company. We're an independent third party. Like a title company is independent between the seller and buyer and owes a duty to everybody and has to be neutral. We're kind of between the person, the property owner and the IRS. We're just saying, okay, we're holding the money in accordance with the terms outlined in the tax code about how we have to hold it. But how we have to hold it just means they can't just grab it. They don't say we got to even put it in the bank. They don't say that we have to have ever read the tax code or that we have any capital behind us if one of our employees embezzles the funds. So there's no requirements for knowing what you're doing or having assets to protect. So so that's the problem. So there's been tons and tons and tons of people who've called themselves a qualified intermediary, and they even make, meet the definition, legal definition. Sure. And then they walk off with the money. American Greed has a whole story on one of the bigger ones. So there have been tons of them. So that's the scary part. But it's not scary because in five minutes I can tell you, hey, here's the way most people deal with that. They just hire a QI that knows what they're doing and is owned by a financially secure company. So QIs by their name are not regulated. That doesn't mean you can't hire a QI that's owned by a regulated company. So that's one of the many reasons people hire us is we're owned by Stuart Title. Okay. So how, in that regard, if someone's looking, obviously they need to call you, Yeah, <laughs> but, but if they don't call you, how do they find out if there's a reputable QI qualified intermediary or not? Yeah. Um, it's pretty hard. Now we do have li- a list of questions you should ask people. Now it is on our website. Okay. And of course, if, if answered properly, it would, it would include us. Sure. But also there's no, no way any lawyer or CPA could argue with these questions. So you can definitely take these questions and ask them of anybody you want to ask. There is a federation of, it's called exchange accommodators, which is kind of funny because the word accommodator is kind of an outdated word, but we still use it. Um, But, you know, it's got thousands and thousands. So, and some are large and some aren't. Um, So um, really it's just, you, you have to do your own due diligence, find out who they're owned by, and how financially secure they are find out if they put in writing where the money goes because like we put in writing that the money only goes in banks and only a rated banks because otherwise some qis see some qis weren't crooked some stole the money because they were crooked if you want to say that sure some weren't crooked but but they they put the money in the stock market thinking that was going to be better for everybody and then when you hit when you hit a downturn they haven't been able to produce the money so you want to find out do you just put the money in the bank and don't don't play around with it um do you require my signature there's not even a law that says the client's signature has to be on the check so that's another way that QIs have spent the money. When they put the money in an account, they just put it in the QI's name. So we put in writing that each person has their own account. It's in their name and our name. Our name has to be one of the names. Otherwise, it's taxable. Sure. But, we, yeah. but Third party. The, the tax code allows <laughs> the client's name to be on it. And we call it, you know, it's a fully fettered account. It's all tied up. So you want it to be in the bank, backed by someone secure, and requiring your signature, things like that. And then for our signature, it actually requires four different people. 
And as you know, Brad, the embezzlements happen when one person's in charge of the bank right. account. Exactly. <laughs> and right. never goes on vacation. <laughs> yeah. or, or when they do, they stop the mail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we've got about 12 layers of control like that. Yeah. Well, then two questions, I guess. Uh, let me break it up. Obviously, you need to be careful about who you're hiring to assist you in the 1031 exchange. And, and you want to go with a reputable company, someone's got a lot of financial backing. Of that group, how 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 many are there? And I don't mean exact numbers, but is there a lot of competition for that business? Now, from the unqualified group, I can imagine they're out there like thick as thick as thieves. But the the good guys, like like your company, yeah, we think a lot because I keep planning on you know transitioning into something that's related, and that's what you just asked. I because I want I really wanted to be clear and transparent and say that. All the major title companies have major QIs, so okay. it's pretty much that world. I would, and there's like, you know, there's about it's, there's only like a handful. There's about five or six big title companies in this nation, and that's so that's about how many big QIs there are. Okay, so yeah, and all of our all of those competitors of ours are good. Does it? Do you have to use the same title company as the QI? Another great point. No. No, you can pick where you close and pick uh, your QI. One of the things that gives me uh, one of the biggest thrills I get is when a closer from a title company that owns their own 1031 company chooses to recommend us because of their prior experience with us. I do want to say all the major title companies, again, have good QIs, and they're good. Uh, So then it's just down to service and and relationship and and, and knowing that they can reach you on your cell phone, stuff like that. Well, that that was going to lead into my next question. Why do I pick you? Why why do people pick pick you, Greg Lehrman? It's really because of the accessibility and the fact I've done it 26 years. And being a lawyer, you don't have to be a lawyer to do this because we can't be your lawyer. So there are are people in this business that know a lot about this, um, you know, that aren't lawyers. But since I am one, it is an asset. Sure. Um, so, but mainly it's just because of knowing how fast we are. I've, I've actually, uh, there's a couple of people I've done exchanges for in 35 minutes. They called me from the closing table. So it's, it's, Oh, the fact that it's all that we do. There are some smaller companies that may be pretty good, but it's not all they do. Okay. So, with them, you don't have as big a chance that they can do it in 35 minutes. Sure. <laughs> they might be somewhere else, or worse yet, some lawyers do it, and they may be, be in trial. I mean, right. if, if they also try to do trial work. Um, so really, it's just that this is all we do, and we've done way over 180000 in, in just our service. Yeah, you know, that's that's what we kind of do here at Parker Law Firm, too. We, we're very niched. Mm-hmm. We don't try to, to do probate and corporate and transactional and real estate i mean we're very very focused and niched on serious injuries and the other thing or a couple other things that you said i mean one of the things that sets us apart is availability and accessibility mm-hmm. and, and and providing that knowledge to them and uh you know i give every single one of my clients my personal cell phone number they're free to call me anytime mm-hmm. and uh I, I think that really sets sets us apart and i'm, I'm glad to hear hear you say that you do that as well because i think that's that's important because I, I have found, and I don't know about you, clients rarely call my cell phone number unless there's really a problem. Yeah. You know, they're not calling just 
run of the mill questions, but they've got it and they know they've got it and they know I'll be responsive. And I think that's what really sets, sets us apart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a title company person a couple of weeks ago. She was, well, no, this was pre COVID, uh, cause it was an in-person deal, but, um, she was at an evening dinner of a bunch of farm and ranch brokers and a good friend of hers who, who's a farm and ranch broker said, Hey, I got a ranch closing tomorrow and it's a 1031. And she said, uh, well, who are you using? He said, what do you mean? She said, well, you got to have a 1031 company. He goes, you do? Oh, gosh. And she said, yeah. She said, when are you closing? He said, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And so she texted me at 7.15 from that dinner and, and uh, got me. And we had documents there by that closing the next morning. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and the last question I got for you, or I say the last, uh, uh, one of the last questions about the business of 1031 is how do you get paid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's fairly standard. It's not regulated like title insurance premiums, but it's still pretty standard. And it's a, it's a great deal, if I say so myself. It's a win-win because um, we charge – thousand bucks on almost every exchange no matter how big or small it is we have a standard fee of a thousand dollars on the sale and that even pays for up to three purchases we don't add charges unless you if you add a sale it's just 200 bucks each and uh, if you add more than if you go to a fourth purchase it's just 200 bucks each so why is it so uh, reasonable and that is the win-win comes in like this you only pay us a thousand but we make a thousand plus interest and when when, when you do 800 a month i mean we literally have had times oh interest on the money you're holding oh, we're holding i, I mean we you. literally have held a billion dollars some 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 days okay uh so so we get paid mainly on the interest but what's weird is even as much interest as that sounds like we actually still need a thousand dollars a deal for it to work, especially as low as interest rates are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great deal. <laughs> no, no, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. Yeah. Does the is that somewhat of an IRS requirement too? I mean, could you could the owner of the property that's doing the ten thirty one collect that interest? Or? They could, they could. And so back when interest rates were a lot higher, then we only collected up. A percentage. Like, a, a, like a third of the interest. Gotcha. When interest rates went down, a bunch of the QIs went out of business. And well, we, had to, we had to go to our customers and say, look, if you want us to be in business, we need all the interest. Yeah. We will pay a little bit of the interest over certain amounts sure. per account. But it's a standard deal is we get 100% of the interest because it's so darn low. Well, and, and the, the transaction's got to move fast. I mean, the longest you're going to have is sixty or six months from the day of the closing. Well, you'd be surprised, and you'd be surprised. As hard as we said these time periods are, do you know our average exchange is like forty nine days? There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you've got it because you either find it or you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you said, you either line it up ahead of time generally. Um, or just close on one of these oil and gas deals. And then as soon as you identify one of those, you just, you can close that day. So, yeah. Yeah. You're, so so it, that's it. If you're, if you own any property other than your homestead and you're not, and you're selling anything, any property, and you don't do this, you got to get your head examined a little bit. <laughs> exactly. And on that, I had, I had something written down one more point. When you mentioned homestead, there's something called a split treatment transaction. 
So earlier when I said who it didn't apply to, when I mentioned homestead, I mentioned a homestead on like a quarter acre. Right. I want to make it clear that if you live on a farm or ranch, that's part residence and part investment. Yeah. So you can do it if it's reps, residence, if it either has a business with it or enough land to say that was investment. Gotcha. Years ago, um, a banker in Grapevine, friend of mine, he said that he had this couple – and they had 60 acres in South Lake off of 114. And they, their whole life, they lived in a 900-square-foot frame house they bought like 50 years ago and, uh, you know, paid nothing for it. And now there's a developer out of Dallas that was trying to buy it for like $4 million. And they were all excited until they found out how much tax they were going to pay. And even though this couple never hardly had that much in the bank, they said, no. They said, we're not about to give Uncle Sam that much money even though they were about to be rich and uh so they're complaining to their banker and they were lucky their banker happened to know me i mean that's a small percentage of people their banker happened to know me he called and said well what can you do for these people i said oh this is easy um they can sell that you can put a half a million in the bank tax-free on your home right and then the rest of it you can do a 1031 so that, people need to know about that, too, if they have a homestead on land that's worth even more than the primary residence exclusion, which is a half a million for a couple. About half of those people, they go about 100 miles out of town like these people did. They bought a place in Eastland, Texas, and they bought like 1,000 acres for that 60 acres. The other half just do the passive. They just right. buy them another house, put the rest of it into cash flow. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes uh, retirement a little bit more pleasurable. Absolutely. Wow, that's uh, that that is really interesting. How can people get in touch with you? They can call me at 866-266-1031, 866-266-1031, or Greg at apiexchange.com, just G-R-E-G at A, and then P as in preservation, I exchange.com. Sometimes when I say Greg at apiexchange.com, it sounds like a T to them, A-T-I, but it's Greg at apiexchange.com. Asset protection. That's pres- preservation. Preservation. <laughs> yeah, okay. you betcha. <laughs> yep. Well, that, that's fantastic. Well, let's uh, let's change gear for a few more minutes that we have. Uh, uh, talk about a couple of other things, and that is uh, tell everybody a little bit about what, what's going on in your life, and it has been for the last several years living in Austin and in, in Fort Worth. Yeah, that's been great. I grew up in Fort Worth and uh, met Deborah in law school. We came up here and we both started practicing law. And well, that's well, she and then she was a an associate judge i guess or a prosecutor and then she went with lost naked where she yeah yeah yeah. and you know that's a funny story because uh deborah and i office next door to each other joe shannon uh i think originally hired her joe oh yeah joe of course was a tarrant county prosecutor who prosecuted cullen davis Mm -hmm. back in the day and then he started doing family law and uh, uh deborah uh uh, hooked up with him and came on board and we officed next door to each other and uh I remember Deborah would come in and she'd have some client in there boohooing, you know, doing divorce work. And she'd come in my office and go, do you have any Kleenex left? I got to have a Kleenex. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then she'd always kid me. Cause uh, I got a little bit of accent. Most people don't know that, but uh, she'd make fun of my accent. I'd talk on the phone go, yeah, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. She said, Brad would say, yeah, I'm Brad Parker and I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. what was even funnier is that, uh, uh, y- y'all got pregnant. 
uh, at the same time, my, my ex-wife and I got pregnant with our first. Yeah. And they were, our kids were born about 10 days apart, right? Your, your son, yes. in fact, was born on Christmas, Christmas Day. Christmas Day, 1990. Yeah, and yes. Haley was born 10 days earlier Yeah, on the 15th. But uh, we uh, went through a few Lamaze classes, Lamaze. Back, passing back and forth on that. Yep. But then she, she got on the bench. Yeah, she got on the bench, became an associate judge, and then next thing you know, she was a district judge. And then 2010, she got on the Supreme Court. That's just amazing. And uh, we can't believe it's already been 10, ten years. years. It's already been 10 years. Well, you know, a funny story about that. Uh, uh, I remember going to bed the night of the election. Yes. And she was behind. Yes. And yeah. I, I didn't text or anything. I, I just thought, Damn it. I mean, it was yeah. so close. And then I woke up the next morning, and the final votes had been counted, and she had won that election. Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. That just amazing. Was it. it was the primary, wasn't it? It was. That was the pri- six person primary. Six person primary. Six person. That put her in a runoff, and then she won that. It won that. Yeah. And, that, and uh, the rest has been history. I mean, uh, I, I was there for her uh, uh, investiture. Uh, there at the state capitol and yeah. uh, that was a great great time but how's it how's it been married to a texas supreme court it's justice? fascinating it is fascinating to learn all about the court and about the each, each justice and uh just how they do things learning how they assign cases and then how they argue over them and how uh how one of the justices who didn't draw the case they may write a dissent and then they talk about it and then sometimes the dissent becomes the majority and then that's a big thrill for the justice who started out in the minority <laughs> when they're able to convince their colleagues. And it's just fascinating. Um, and uh, I do want to say that a lot of people can be exposed to this by the fact that the oral arguments are online. So at least people can watch the oral arguments, unlike the U.S. Supreme Court. But it's been fascinating. And, you know, when you first get on the court, you know, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You're number nine. And do you know that um, this Friday – uh, another justice is getting on right you're fixing to leave here and go go down there. go down there and uh that's putting deborah she's one there's it's 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 the chief justice and eva guzman and deborah they're the senior justices now she's third in she's seniority third in seniority wow that fast another neat thing for the public is the justices being sworn in puts is going to have a four women on our court for the first time yeah. unlike the u.s supreme court really we've had very few females on the texas supreme court and just all of a sudden so most of deborah's um it hurt both terms until a few months ago it was just eva guzman and her and now all of a sudden they've got four and I can't wait to look at the picture because it's going to be perfectly symmetrical. The chief is going to be on the front row and then flanked by Justice Guzman and, and Deborah. And then in the back row, the two ends are the, the new women. Oh, it's going, okay. it's going to be perfectly symmetrical. That's Justice Bland. I, I know that's important. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. It, it is. It's a, it is. It's a yeah, Justice time. Bland. And, yeah, uh, and, this and, is Rebecca Huddle. Huddle. Okay. Uh, she grew up in El Paso and then she practiced in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, good. That, mm-hmm. that, that's fantastic. And uh, the, and the you've got two boys. What? Two boys. They're both lawyers. One of them's in Houston. An appellate lawyer loves it, and the other boy is a. Gregory, the one that was born on Christmas, has been a trial lawyer in L.A. now for a while. He went straight to UCLA undergrad and then Pepperdine Law School. Yeah. 
That's a, it's it's amazing how fast that time flies. Uh, it seems like yesterday we were having a cold beer and uh, enjoying Joe Ely at the Caravan of Dreams. And, yeah, uh, Golly, and now the kids it. kids are having kids, and uh, I know it. it's just uh, it's just amazing. Oh, but that brings up a oh a shot in the heart, painful. Jerry Jeff just died. Oh, oh. that that was oh. a tough one. And then I guess oh. you saw Billy Joe Shaver uh, passed. Oh yeah, and uh, you know yeah. that's. Uh, 2020 has been uh <laughs> no, wow it's just a tough year man <laughs> we're all ready for it to all ready for this be yeah you know and they always say 2020 is uh hindsight's 2020 well i'm i'm ready for this to be hindsight oh, absolutely <laughs> you know, let's get get out of here well, well greg i cannot tell you how much i appreciate you spending some time with me today and uh that 10 1031 stuff i i thought i knew a lot about it but sitting here listening to you it's it's fascinating and uh it's got my head spinning on on what i could do and how i could uh when i get ready to retire you know i've always thought about just trying to rent out this building but maybe it'd be better to sell it and uh do something else at least uh, you have choices i have choices that's what it gives you yeah. choices yeah it's, it's fascinating stuff if anybody's got some property that they want to sell or are fixing to sell that's not or even if it is their homestead they definitely need to call greg Larriman, uh uh or, or some qi qualified intermediary but uh greg i've known for 30 years i couldn't recommend him more highly uh man of integrity principle and, and honesty and just a darn good guy but uh greg thanks a lot i really appreciate thank it thank you feeling was mutual thanks brad take care i'm brad parker the attorney you want but hope you never need and thanks for listening to another edition of bar talk the musings of attorneys entrepreneurs and other industry people if you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at parkerlawfirm.com. Or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast outlet. See you next time.